So if you haven't seen Sarah Jane Baker's James English interview, it's one of the few <laughs> that I have watched twice. Such a compelling story. It takes you in dark places. But Are you flirting also... with me like James did? Look at this jacket as well. Isn't that badass? Yeah, it was um, It was sprayed by some um, some people down in a shopping centre in Bristol. Wow. Um, I went down doing a load of Moody Bankses everywhere. Yeah. And uh, some of the graffiti artists I don't like, I lined out their work, which is the biggest insult you can pay them. But, you know, fuck them. I mean, as a, as, a, as, a, as a quite infamous graffiti artist once told me, never ask permission and never apologise. Some of the most... I'm sorry. <laughs> I wanted to get the fan in the shot, though. Let's lay the fan to That's rest. my collective. <laughs> on this channel, we've had loads of views on sh my friend Shira Zina the orchiectomy gang raped beheading story um it's the same here we've got some similar we've got some parallels what is an orchiectomy uh it's not an orchiectomy it's called an orchidectomy orchidectomy okay. a it's, it? yeah it's when um yeah it's oh you're so funny <laughs> it's um it's when your testicles are removed so your body produces um either less or in many cases no testosterone which you did during your 30 years of incarceration in the UK prison. I did my own incarceration, that is true. So my friend Zena, she woke up, got a felt-tip pen, she had a Mosby's medical dictionary, drew lines on her scrotum, drank a cup of coffee, no painkiller whatsoever, slashed one side open, grabbed the testicle, which was on the vas deverens, yep. severed through the spermatic yep. cord and grizzle and whatever. Yeah. Got one well, off. I am familiar with the procedure. <laughs> got one off, but the other head. Yeah. Did you have any problems like that? No. <laughs> so it, it was as easy as that? Easy uh, is not the word I would choose. Yeah. It was fucking painful. Yeah. And people keep asking me that. They go, did it hurt? And I'm saying, well, what do you think? It's like, it's like getting kicked in the bollocks by, I don't know, a frigging racehorse. Take us through it. What led to that moment? How did you gender identity clinic yeah. in London and other gender, gender other identity sorry it's not that I can't get the words out it's because I'm so angry the gender identity clinics in this country they have a process a pathway that transgender people must go through one of them requirements is that you live as a female outside of prison for a minimum of two years. So you can see if you can actually fit into society and if you can handle the shit, because there is a lot of shit. There's a lot of discrimination. I got beaten up the other day and I got robbed. Um, but it is as it is. And in the prison system, if you come out as transgender, a lot of times the gender identity clinic will not give you any treatment while you are a serving prisoner. Now, I was getting older and there are changes in your body, as you know, once you reach a certain age, once you get into your 30s and your 40s. Um, and I needed to arrest this development. 
The only way I could do that was to stop the production of testosterone in my body. And I was, I was that desperate for, um, to just stop this testosterone, which just felt like an enemy to me all my life. But I did what I did, but, and I'm, I mean, I'm still here. I mean, it's, there was complications. There was a lot of blood, as you can imagine. And I have, It's really difficult when I think about it. All right, let's move on. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. So my trans friends were trying to get estrogen smuggled in. Did, did you get anything like that? Yes. Um, maybe. <laughs> no felonies being admitted here today. Come on, I was a convicted. <laughs> I was a convicted criminal, and I had to do what I had to do to survive. Yeah. In prison, I mean, if I mean, imagine you're dressing like this in a prison. I mean, one or two things is going to happen. Actually, two things are going to happen. One, you're going to face discrimination almost on a daily basis. You're going to get, as I said with uh, the James English interview, you're getting spat at, you're getting people pissed in your bed and shite. But, um, and you're going to get people coming onto you all the time. So, I mean, not just, not just prisoners, but also staff, males and females. Zena said to me that the biggest, baddest, pretending to be homophobic guys on the yard were the ones coming to her to get. Well, it's like the gymnasium, isn't it? You know, wasn't it in, uh, isn't it in Greece, uh, the gymnasium was somewhere where men actually went to pick up, like, young men. That's what they went to the gymnasium for. And, like, as you know, in any prison gym, you see them all preening themselves in front of a mirror. But, you know, I just like going to the gym just to watch. Zena was making beaded G-strings and melting plastic into sex toys. How creative did you get? Well, you know, there's no, um, I mean, there's, there's no secret. I'm a sex worker. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't, why would I need to make sex toys? I could get fucked any time I wanted in jail. <laughs> so, I mean, and I was a bit of a whore. I must admit, do you know what I mean? But, you know, I love people. I love sex and I loved anything that would embarrass prison officers because when they come to my door and I'm getting spit roasted, I don't give a fuck. I just want them to be, I just want the staff to be embarrassed. And did the staff, some of them want to join in? On many occasions. <laughs> but why not? Come on, even I want to fuck me. Why would anyone else? <laughs> so how did it... I see you've got that twinkle in your eye, Sean. You know it's £190 an hour, Yeah. I have to take my, my jacket off. I'm getting hot. Do you want my fan? Let's do a little. What? Let's do a little on, on head. Here you go. Is that nice? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want me to talk dirty to you? Yeah. Oh, well, if you ask me please. to. Yeah, yeah. You sluts. <laughs> All right. How did it start that you got involved in crime then, Very going back throughout your life? What was your first? Well, I was, I was a petty criminal, stealing BMXs, stealing... Um, stealing cassette players from cars. If anyone remembers what a cassette player was, um, but you know, there's, there was there was one moment in my life which which changed me, and that was I was walking through a car park late at night in Beckenham, in South London, and I took a shortcut through a car park. I was approached by two men. They said to me, um, "What are you doing here?" And I said, "I'm just taking a shortcut." And they said, "No, we're police officers, and we saw you trying to steal a car," and I wasn't. If I was, I'd tell you. Do you know what I mean? I've done things a million times worse than that. 
and they stitched me up for attempting to steal or steal from a parked motor vehicle. Now, <clears throat> that completely changed my perception of the police because up until that time, I believed that they were there to protect people. But they fitted me up and nobody believed that I was innocent. That switched me, that turned me. I said, you know, if I'm going to get accused of stuff that I'm not doing, I'll fucking do it. And how old were you then? Um, by then, I was probably about 13. Uh, sorry about, sorry, no, at that time it was probably about 15, 16 at that time. I mean, I'd been in trouble with the police before, but, but normally because I'd run away from care a lot. Because, you know, the care system back in the 80s, it was, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're in care, you know you're getting abused. It just, it's just a given. It was a pipeline to yeah. Jimmy Savile and the guys. Yeah, but especially if you have no uh, family visiting you. Mm. Like, um, you, you're on your Jack Jones, you're on your own. But you know what? I, I mean, I survived. I was a rent boy. Do you know what I mean? So that's I'd often get picked up and... But, um... But I survived when many didn't. Yeah. And that's an achievement itself and one that, I'm, that I am proud of. I'm just um, I'm just not proud that I did hurt a lot of people on the way. Do you know what I mean? And being a rent boy, you said previously that you felt an attachment to some of the people because you, you some of the people, Some of the people, some of the, some of the people, I would, at that time, I thought they were great. Now I know that it was abuse, but you know, um, I'm not trying to big him up like James English, but when, as I said in, in his in his in, his, in his podcast, was that that time in the 1980s, London, especially Soho, was full of rent boys. So I mean, it was full of rent boys, and it was full of female sex workers, and no one blinked an eyelid. That's what I'm saying, no one, no one blinked an eyelid. Um, so you'd get barristers, you'd get. Um, You'd get barristers, you'd get solicitors, you'd get judges, you know, and a lot of these cases are well known. You'd get politicians. No, it's put on silent. Thank you. I certainly will. I'm very sorry for that. It's okay. So I'm going to say to the people watching this in the description box below this video are links to the James English podcast. And also, we're going to have links down there for Sarah's stuff, including a donation page because she's got some charities helping her right now, but she could do with our support. <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome. So you're saying about the rent boys situation? What would you What would you like to know? You were saying that you misguidedly felt attached to some of the customers, but it was just anything. Well, people were nice to me. I yeah. mean, um, I mean, I was no stranger to sex by then. I'd already been sexualized um, through the care system, and. You know, as people were people were feeding me. Um, they were taking me to nice houses. Some of them, some of the people were bastards. But you know, my dad was a bastard. So I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather live with somebody that I just, I've just got to wank him off once a week. You know what I mean? But he's gonna, he's gonna give me hundred pound. And hundred pound was a lot of money then. So um, that was that was pretty much my life until I ended up going into the prison system. All right, so we've jumped ahead then. I know you don't want to mem um, name family members or discuss their role in things, but what was your upbringing like? What kind of things did you suffer? My father used to torture his children and he used to torture his partners. That's what he used to do. 
He was extremely short. Um, I think he had that Napoleon syndrome. I felt, I think he felt insecure. Um, he, he was a wicked bastard, but like many wicked bastards, he was extremely charming, you know, and who knows the shit that goes on behind people's doors. All I know is the stuff that went on behind our doors, our neighbours knew about it and they did nothing. I mean, this 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 grown man would beat us, would punch us with the force of an adult, and we were like small children. You know, it was fucking brutal and it was wicked. And all I felt, all I thought about every day was just killing myself. Mm. From the time I was like five to the time, well, even now I have self harm issues. I mean, this. It's quite common in this country, but especially amongst prisoners, as you know. Yeah, so a lot of it. Yeah. So what was the decision that the government took to put you into care? How did that come about? Um, I kept running away from home. Um, and they, the council put what is called an unruly certificate um, on me. Um, so I ended up being in, kept in a secure children's home till eventually they trusted me a bit and put me in a... Um, into an open children's home and obviously I was gone so did a moment come or a period come when you were thinking about your sexual identity as a young person well not really I didn't have I wasn't sophisticated enough to, and I didn't have the language um, I had never heard I mean at that time the word was transsexual but I'd never heard that I'd never heard the word transgender. That that word had never been heard till perhaps was it the nineteen nineties or something, or the eight, late eighties and nineties. But um, I was just living my life, um, feeling that I was a female trapped in a in a man's body, and there was there was no one I could. There, I didn't know anybody that I could talk to about these feelings that I had, and I just like just internalized them, just dealt with them myself. Normally by self-harming. And you watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show by then? Um, well, it's great. <laughs> it's not really, that's it's not really my cup of tea. I'm not a, I'm not a parody yeah. of, um, of a female. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of drag artists that I've got a lot of respect for, mm. but there's many that I don't. I'm not into a parody of, of, a, of a female. I'm a big fan of Riff Raff. People sometimes say I look a bit like the Crystal Maze guy. Well, um, <laughs> I think you're much better looking than Oh, that. I'm getting hot again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Richard O'Brien. I think that's his name. <laughs> yeah, Richard O'Brien. Yeah, he's great. He's, 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 I mean, it's a great thing he, he wrote. I mean, Meatloaf is in that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like it. Yeah, I've like watched it about 200 yeah. times. Yeah, and was it Susan Saradon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's great. So. She yeah. looks sexy and she looks hot, doesn't she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all the arrests after you got stitched up, what were your earliest arrests after that? Um, well, really, this, the crime for which I was I received my seven-year sentence for, mm-hmm. where um, I've been advised not to talk about it. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. um, it will upset like the victim. Yes. It was, it was still around, but um, I didn't even challenge a conviction or anything um, because it, it was just, I mean, this person was beaten really badly 
and I got what I deserved for that. If there was a charge, if there was any a charge that I should have released, received a life sentence for, that was it. Because um, I was I was present. I mean, I was party to it. How old were you when you got sent down for that one? I was eighteen. What was it like going in at that age? Well, I went to prison and being trans, I just got battered from the time I went in. So you go in, there's like an induction, a screening process. No, you didn't have inductions then. This is like in the 80s. Right. You just got chucked in a cell. So are you assigned to a certain security level? Um, well, no, because it was when I went in, I was in uh, youth custody. Young offenders. Youth custody centre, yeah. Which is gladiator school. Yeah, as you know. Yeah. Well, they had that. It was, it was Zahid Mubarak. He was murdered there on mm. our wing in Feltham. Um, but it was quite gladiatorial. I mean, if you go in the shower house, I mean, I went in the shower house and... I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I got stabbed, I got burned, and I got fucking raped, man. And they put a pool cue in me. Now, they weren't fucking about either. They stripped me down and they poured boiling hot water and fucking sugar over me. And you know that, you know that's gonna fucking hurt. So I mean, it's only, I mean, it took me two years before I'd even let anybody see the top half of my chest. You can still see the scars here. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. So now I just kind of embrace them. Yeah. Rather than, I was quite ashamed of them. But, but fuck me, 20, 29 jails in 30 years, survived. So how did you get a reprieve from getting attacked when you first went in? I didn't. It was just continuous yeah. and you just had to take it. Yeah. There was nobody on your side, no one looking no. out for you. No. They go, if you don't, um, well, what, what had happened, I, I'm not sure when it happened, but you know the Archibald Law Books. Mm. There's a part in the law, Archibald Law Book. Where once upon a time, if you went into prison and you got battered and you got tortured mm. by other prisoners, the prison was responsible. It was responsible for your safety. But the law was changed. And what it said was that if you go to prison and you get and you get attacked, um, it's kind of like your own fault. And the only way that they will give you protection is that if you go in grass on the person who attacked you, and then two things are going to happen. And you've got a snitch jacket. Right? You're either going to get cut, you're going to get stabbed, mm. or you're going to go on a protection wing, mm. or you're going to be in a cell for 24 hours a day. You're going to be completely isolated, and that will drive you fucking mad because I did four years in a cell. So, I mean, in a strip cell, four years continuously, and it blew my brain to smithereens. So, going in then at that age... It was because of what What was it about you that was standing out? I know I can see how you look today, but I'm trying to figure how you looked back then. Well, I was quite androgynous then. I mean, even now, I was queer as fuck. You know what I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm as, I'm as, I'm as bent as a, I mean, a 49p coin, you know, that's what I am. So for the whole seven years, it was brutality. Or did yeah. you have to not do the seven? Cause no, was... I'd, um, no, because I'd, Within, I took my revenge on one of the people who attacked me and I received a life sentence. All right, can we discuss that? Yeah, if you wish. So this person was one of the main attackers. Was he continuously attacking you? I was continually attacked. And, the, and this person was raping you? And no, was... I, was, I was raped once by a group of prisoners okay. in Feltham. Yeah. The group who stabbed me, the group who cut me, and the group who burnt me. Mm -hmm. The prison officers knew 
and they didn't give a fuck. I was in. I was allowed to go into the shower room, the recess as they called it then. Mm-hmm. Remember, I was allowed into it on my own, and it was. I was locked in. Mm. Prison officers let two prisoners out, who got their mates who were already out, and the prison officer unlocked the fucking door mm. because they could. I mean, yeah, and that's fucking wicked, man. It, you, you know, I'm. I mean. I'm not going to sit here and be so much of a twat and just say all prison officers are corrupt and they're all scumbag. I'm not going to say that because that is not true. But the good prison officers, I mean, the ones who are kind, the ones who join the job because they want to make changes, the idealists, they soon have that beaten out of them by their colleagues. Because, you know, the Prison Officer Association, the bunch of scum that they are. I mean, was it the, would they say the cream always rises to the top? In the Prison Officer Association, it doesn't work like that. The scum rises to the top. Can I use a name? Um, just not, not a surname. We would rather not, not say. All right, then. There is, there was, there was um, a prison officer. And... He tried to stand for Member of Parliament of Sheppey, the Isle of Sheppey, which has three prisons. He was also the branch secretary of the three prisons in the Prison Officer Association. He was also the most corrupt prison officer that I'd ever come across. And do you know what happened? He got made chairman of the Prison Officer Association. And when I complained, as I did, because, you know, I have a, a right, freedom of speech... And I said, I have a complaint against this person, their behaviour. I went through the legal channels. I wrote to uh, like the secretary of the Prison Officer Association. I said, this guy, and I, I gave evidence and everything. I'd seen him threaten to, like, threaten to kill prisoners in segregation units, in front of governors, in front of uh, uh, board of visitors, the board of visitors people, um, in front of the chaplaincy. And... He was like God, and he knew that illegal searches on Muslim prisoners, illegal searches on me, and he was fucking brutal. And the staff under him idolised him because they knew that he would protect them at all costs. Mm. Because you know that their POA, it's quite incestuous. I mean, a lot of the staff, they work together, they breathe together they shower together they go to the gym together their families go shopping together now when you get corruption within an organization like the poa which is it extremely corrupt it is it's always been um whether it's covering up uh, uh which people suspect was murders uh prisoners being murdered and in some jails on a regular basis as i said to you before on that sheppy cluster where the branch secretary was also the chairman of the POA, we had over 50 suicides where at least 10 of them were debatable. But, you know, for for the police to come in and investigate a prison, everyone just shuts up, just shuts their mouth. You've covered a lot of ground, though. Let me just confirm a few things for the viewers. I agree that there's good and bad in every profession, and the new guards that come in, the fresh ones, the fish, I've got that. I want to. That's an Americanism, yeah, the fish. Yeah. yeah. 
They've got the I want to help you look on their faces. But within six months, their faces have turned to stone because it's such a negative, dangerous energy that permeates the whole place and it just sucks the life out of people mm -hmm. and the, the dark energy just, just takes over. So then you've got guards having prisoners fight and making bets on who's going to win. It only takes one or two staff members to flood the entire prison. They were taking bets on how long I would last outside of prison and didn't think I'd last a week. I've been out about 320 days. 320 days. This is the longest I've ever been out of, of, a, of a prison. Yeah. So you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> well done. Yeah. You've got corrupt guards flooding the place with drugs for the gangs. Just takes a couple of staff Even members. during this lockdown, Sean. And this is a thing. It's not just... Um, I mean, because outside of prison, you know, I'm, I mix with lots of people. I don't... I've... I've, I've I mean, I haven't been doing uh, the lockdown, but I have been safe. I've been like wearing masks and stuff like that. Even even when I do sex work, you know, because some of my clients like that shit. <laughs> right? So so, so I'll, I'll wear a mask and and he'll wear a condom. You know what I'm saying? So so we're being as safe as we can. The fact is, the amount of people that I know whose drug use has like escalated to such an extent, the amount of debt they've got in, where they've needed drugs just to cope with this lockdown. Now, the lockdown is also in prison, where you've got prisoners currently at the moment, they're living in cells where the windows can't open, there's no air conditioning, and the cells are reaching temperatures of 37 degrees, and that's fucking awful. I remember it from prison, and I just wanted to top myself it got so bad, where you could not even breathe. And the staff, they would just go, if you don't like it, don't come to prison. You know? But touching on that, if, if I may, um, the most important um, the, the, the most important organization that I work with, if you don't mind me raising it, Please is, do. The, is the Prisoner Solidarity Network. These people, it's made up of professionals, ex-prisoners, sex workers, all different people from all different realms. But we're abolitionists. We don't believe that prison works. Now, people may point at you. They might point at me and say, look, well, it's worked for them. No, I would have, su I, 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 I would have succeeded if, as long as I had the right support. I would have succeeded anyway, as would you. We're quite assertive. Uh, we know our value. We know our worth. And we know, um, I mean, we're, we're not we can get off our ass and we can make a pound whereas a lot of people can't a lot of people as you know in prison aren't particularly they don't have many prisoners don't have any families thrown away as kids you know I mean? can't read and, the right a lot of them yeah well the prison system as I say I'll break it into I'll break the prison population down into three into, into three into thirds where one third are in prison because drug addiction issues they'll go into the prison system and even on the lockdown the jails are being flooded prison officers are making a fucking fortune from selling spice do you know what I mean especially spice that fucking horrible drug but they're flooding the jails during a lockdown. So that's the criminalization of addiction, which needs also, to yeah. end. But you've also got uh, another third, which are people with like, especially personality disorders or people on the autistic spectrum, people with Asperger's. Um, and because some of them may be high functioning, 
people think they're just, they think, oh yeah, they'll be okay. But the mental turmoil that people are going through, especially um, the amount of people who are going to prison with no mental conditions and they're coming out and they're coming out with schizophrenia. Do you know what I mean? Borderline personality disorder, uh, bipolar. I mean, the incarceration and the conditions that are being held under is, is actually triggering mental illness. But no one wants to um, no one wants to acknowledge that, although the World Health Organization has openly condemned the British government for the way it treats its prisoners. But the way that people, prisoners are being treated on a whole is bad. And it has always been bad. I'm not telling you something. I'm not telling your viewers something they don't know. But I'm telling you this. There has been a number of babies that have died in female prisons because they're being the mothers, their care is being neglected and the babies are fucking dying. Now. That is fucking wrong. That's fucking wrong. Who the fuck would put a pregnant woman in fucking prison in 2020? That is insane. European countries must look at, down their nose at us in fucking horror. That mothers are treated like numbers. They're treated like cattle. Which is how prisoners are treated. They're treated like fucking cattle. And that babies could die because of neglect of the prison system and of the prison guards. In 2020, in a country which will look down its nose at other countries and consider itself civilised. The way we treat our prisoners, there's nothing fucking civilised about that. Because we're, we're adopting the American for-profit model. So my co-defendants, half of them were females, and they told me some stories. One woman was pregnant in Arizona. She sat on the toilet in the prison because they're so malnourished. They lose the baby. So she had a miscarriage. She collapsed, passed out on the floor. Guards come in, revived her with smelling salts and ordered her to fish the dead fetus out of the yeah. toilet. They give any medical t a t a treatment fucking, whatsoever. It is... It is it's insane. And the problem is the public believe or the system is set up to say publicly that people are sent to prison to be rehabilitated. They're being rehabilitated by fucking psychopaths, by people who don't care about human beings. And the fact I care and they don't, and I spent 30 years in prison. The longer I was in jail, the more I cared, the more I gave a fuck. But these are grown men, and in many cases, grown fucking women, who choose to join the prison service in many cases because no other fucker would employ them. There have been times in recent years where they're so desperate for prison guards, they'll take someone who can't even get a fucking GCSE at fucking level E. In fucking home economics. But no, they'll put them on the prison landing and they'll put them in charge of the mental and fucking physical welfare of a hundred prisoners. And then neglect them while they spend all day in the office flirting with their colleagues, doing crosswords and drinking fucking coffee. 
you fucking parasites. And watching porn on the phones. Oh, yeah, watching porn on the phones. Well, apparently they're not allowed phones in jail. <laughs> but, you know, I, I always had a phone up my ass. <laughs> Hold on, it might still be ringing. <laughs> you covered a lot of ground again, though. Let me just yeah. go over it in my head. So you mentioned about um, the mentally ill. In America, prison is the biggest house of the mentally ill. Since Cuckoo's Nest, they shut the mental hospitals down. They all went out on the streets. They ended up in the prison system. It's really sad. And you see them, a lot of the prisoners just lining up for the meds, doing the Thorazine shuffle, drooling and giggling. Yeah, the chloroplomazine, yeah. Yeah. And then the sad thing is, the prisoners, because they don't, if they're mentally ill, they don't follow orders as such. So this isn't just talk. You can watch it on my channel. I've got videos of the guards murdering mentally ill prisoners in the jail where I was housed. And one of them... that's their way of... I mean, the, as, as you know, the way the, the prison system is, is structured, that if you're awkward or if you're difficult to manage, first they try nicey-nicey. Uh, but, you know, when you're mentally ill, you can't always recognise that. You feel like you're being manipulated. So you become... What's the word? Is it? It's like incalcitrant. There's a word like that, some word. And you become awkward and you're difficult to manage. And then they just use brutality because they just want to go home on time. They don't want to spend two hours trying to get you to calm down or something. Yeah, they're less polite in America. They just tase people down and then put four-point them or five-point them. But there's also the other third. Which we haven't got to yet. No. The, 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 I'll say the first one where a third of prisoners... Which addiction. Is, which is over 30,000 prisoners caught up in addiction and their their addiction is only escalating in prison. It's not decreasing. Then I'll say you've got the other third, which have got um, diagnosed, in many cases, diagnosed mental illnesses or personality disorders, bipolar, uh, Asperger's, autistic spectrum conditions, which are being managed with brutality to control them. Always the threat of brutality. Then you've got the other third who I, I'm, I'm um, not sure what the, like the political correct term is, but you've got people that you can't even, they couldn't even tie up their own shoelaces. Some people are, have, some people have, have, some people are just broken. You've got like 33,000 people. If you draw a Venn diagram with all these three people, there's just going to be that middle bit where they've got drug addiction problems they're, um, and they're not bright. Do you know what I mean? Some people just aren't bright. Some people, you just, some people can't get a GCSE. Um, some people can't even can't saw a piece of wood in a wood workshop to get a city in guilds. But these are people that in a civilized society that we, we have an obligation to take care of the people who are who are vulnerable. Now, because they haven't got a diagnosed mental illness and because they maybe don't have a drug problem, they're just forgotten. These are people who aren't very assertive. These are the people who get bullied throughout their whole life and it continues in the prison system. So before all what you described, prison used to be for people who harm other people, murderers, rapists, robbers. But now we've got human beings reduced to commodities because the prison gets fifty to sixty thousand pounds a year out of taxpayers' money per but prisoner. There's no spaces for them. There's no mental health spaces for and they're them. They're the easiest people to arrest. What you just described and fill yeah. these prisons to make well, all these profits. Well, you remember that scumbag, right, Margaret Thatcher, right? Now. When she came into power, she allowed people, she allowed the councils to like sell the houses, to sell the house off, which they didn't replace like the housing stock. 
So that, that was one problem. But what happened as well, council started selling the psychiatric hospitals which are in their, in their ward or in their constituency. They were selling the psychiatric hospitals off for profit. So some of them were turned into flats which were sold and um, many of them were just raised to the ground and the land was sold. So you got some of, uh, I mean, a lot of these psychiatric hospitals across Great Britain were shut down, and these people were put, uh, the the patients were put into the community, where there was not adequate, there was no adequate support for many of them. So they ended up in the prison system, time and time and time and time again. And as you know, I mean, eighty um, percent of released prisoners will return to jail within two years. That is a statistic. That is a fact. If it wasn't, I wouldn't say so. But now the prison system, it's... So you've got the mentally ill, you've got the people who've got drug addiction problems, you've got the people who who, who, who are struggling, who would always struggle, who need to be cared for. You've got to say you've got the, the, the children who, who, who are just being forgotten. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the needs of, like, newborn children. The system don't care about it. But you've also got another problem. Which is fucking immoral. It's 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 all I've got is tales of immorality from the system, and that is there's a number of cases at the moment of of um, of young people who are in the prison system, and they've been told that at the end of the sentence they're going to be deported to countries that they've never been to because it's their parents' nationality. Mm. You understand? Mm. Now, when they finish the sentence, they're still being held. These are British citizens who are being forced out of the country and until then they're being locked away. People who are not, no risk, they're no risk to anybody. But, you know, at the moment, I think people are getting so confused, people are so caught up in their own drama that the Ministry of Justice are really trying to take the piss and they're really trying to, like, ignore people's human rights. And I mean, with 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 without human rights, we're at the mercy of a fucking government that don't give a fuck about people. And this one we have does not. If they did, I would tell you. But you could take me take it from me, Boris Johnson, fucking Jacob Rees Mogg, that twat Zach Goldsmith, who's one of my neighbours. Do you know what I mean down in Richmond upon Thames? They are parasites. They just want to feather their nest. They want to lift their own profile and they want to make money. And you know what they say? Politics, it's like, it's show business for ugly people. And then people, it's not just, it's not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're ugly people, but their hearts are fucking dark, man. Jacob Rees-Mogg, he's dark as, he's dark as anything. And he masquerades as a Catholic, you know, it's fucking it. They're fucking wicked people. And they're trying to roll back, like, transgender rights. I demand the right to exist in this society as as a person just trying to build a life and trying to be safe. Every time the government, every time... You'll get some donor like fucking J.K. Rowling. Do you know what I mean coming out with with her views about trans women, 
it 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 makes life more unsafe for us on the streets because the people who are transphobic and the people who are homophobic and the people who are racist with the government we've got in place they're not keeping people in check they're they're saying you know what you elected us and we said we'll let you have free speech now you can say what you want and people are saying what they want nasty shit you got to remember we had the brexit vote and that divided families that divided communities well you know what i hope that this government is not going to be around for long because The fucking Prison Officer Association love the Tories, man. They fucking love them. As a trans person in London, what support do you get? Well, I'll get support from a, a fantastic organisation called Queer Care. Um, also, also many, many friends of mine within different activist groups. So, um, it'd be like, like, like one of my friends, Kelsey, that I love dearly, uh, Inner City Free, Sisters on Cart. Um, also, a lot of members, especially Miranda, Lucy, Callum, uh, Callum uh, who's in Campaign Against Prison Expansion, CAPE, I think we're based in Bristol. They're an abolitionist group too. Uh, the Prisoner Solidarity Network, as I said before, is an abolitionist group. But like the people like Una and Miranda and all these wonderful people, Amal, uh, Adder and Queer Care, who've, who've, who've come to this many people that... Um, and especially Carrie, who, who works within uh, the Prisoner Solidarity Network, has been a great source of support for me. Um, I'm really quite fortunate. I have some really kind people around me who maybe see something in me that I don't <laughs> see. Because, you know, prison prison breaks you. It makes you feel like you've got no worth. It destroys your self-esteem and it eats away at your confidence, like fucking hydrochloric acid in your stomach, you know. But you know that. Corro prison system is corrosive and it is toxic. If you send me the links to all those organisations you mentioned, we can put them in the okay. box below the video and people can support them as well who are watching this. But, um, I mean, at the moment, I'm focusing on more positive things on my art and especially my collective. My art collective yeah. And getting my own stuff ready for exhibition. All right, going back to your story then, you said that you were getting brutalised and there was one person in particular. What made you decide to fight back and and reverse it on this person what was what pushed you over the edge there's this um there's this psychological uh thing a way that your brain works you can understand you you've understand the snowball effect so someone is mean to you and you hold on to that anger and it doesn't get diffused you don't get rid of it and in another bad thing, negative experience will happen. And them two join together. And the more negative experiences you have, it builds like a big snowball. And it just rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls until that snowball gets so fucking big. You say, you know what? I ain't fucking taking it no more. No more. But there's also this thing called transference. So all the hatred, all the anger I held towards my father, who was my primary fucking abuser in my life, all that rage, I just wrapped it up in a ball and I just threw it at this person. And, um, yeah. 
because charge of attempted murder. Because you've been convicted of that, are you able to say what you actually did? Um, it. Um, I went into uh, somebody's cell and I attempted to strangle him. And you know what? That sounds hardcore, but I think people watching this, because they've heard what you've been through, would say this guy had it coming. Well, I mean, in an uncivilized country, um, I would agree. But the way that our laws and our society is structured, there's no justification to try and kill anybody. That is what the law is there for. Unfortunately, I never felt part I never felt part of society. I never felt that the law was there to protect me. All it had done is fitted me up and placed me in, in a in a system where it, I mean put me in children's homes where my life was in danger. Um to me where where I was where I was I was sexualized. Do you know what I mean? And and it that people could use me, they could I mean because the people who are having sex with you, the men that have sex with you, they're not, they're not making love to you. They're not even fucking you. They're, they're, it's like they're pumping their fucking hatred into you. Do you know what I mean? And they're fucking choking you and, and just they're using you as a vessel to unload all their fucking bitterness and their fucking hatred. Now, there were some women. I've had many women clients. And some of them are just as fucked up too. Do you know what I mean? But you know, I kind of like I kind of like it. I like I like the fucked up shit because it is it is is a th- it is a it is a dynamic within many couples. Do you know what I mean? But I've tried to use like skills to manage the client from the moment they come through the door to the minute they leave. I try to understand how they think and. And to show them care. Do you know what I mean? And to and make sure that when they live at that door, that they feel that they've they've that I've given them something. Do you know what I mean? Something positive. And because a lot of people who come to me, because because I'm transgender, do you know what I mean? They want a dick and a, was it a chick with a dick, a cock and a frock. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that. Do you know what I mean? It's if it if if it's legal, fucking do your thing, chicken wing. That's what my favourite friend says. Petta. She's a graffiti artist. And she's fucking great. <laughs> Petta, she got me. Uh, she, she. It was Petta who first took me to Grenfell Tower. This is a Grenfell. Oh. This is a Grenfell scarf because uh, my friend Petta and I love dearly. She lives next to Grenfell, and, and, and I mean, it it affected her really badly. Mm. And it's it's a case that I'm I care about a lot. It's um, especially in in my activism and that my protests against the government to make sure that um, people are fucking held to account. Going back to your story then, you describe yourself as not physically imposing when you was committed this crime. Imagine the bully perhaps was big. Yeah. So did that person, I mean, did you time it when that person was asleep or something? Was there some no, way? No, this was on association time. Yeah. And they came into my cell and I tried to, and I tried to strangle them. They came into your cell to brutalise yeah. you yeah. and then you defended yourself. Yeah. And you get this huge sentence for that. Yeah. Wasn't, did they take, did it go to trial or did you just? I went, I went, when it went to court, I yeah. just went guilty. I was on so much medication that I could not defend myself. 
Mm. I stood there and and they passed the sentence on me. My my solicitor, my Queen's counsellor at the time, is they're like, look, just go guilty mm. and you'll get a short sentence and it'll be gone. I went guilty and they gave me a life sentence and I fainted in the dock. I never saw it coming. I was... I mean, they, they fucking... They, the, the system took advantage of the fact that I was I was ill. Mm. I mean, I was mentally ill. Um, and I was, I mean, the medication that I was on, I could not legally, I should not legally have been in that dock. I mean, on the Largactyl with chlorpromazine. Mm. I mean, the chlorpromazine, the amyltriptyline, all just rammed in me and I could have barely even stand. Yet they still passed a sentence on me. I mean, it should have gone to a trial. Was there considerable injury to the person that aggravated the sentence? No. None at all. No. It was just a failed attempt to yeah. strangle, and they yeah. gave you attempted murder yeah. and turned you into a client yeah. for life, basically. Now he, ne now um, he was, he was never uh, unconscious at any time. Mm. Um, but he was, I mean, he was fucking frightened. He didn't think that I, he, he didn't, he didn't see it come in. Mm. After that situation, did the prisoners treat you differently? No, no, that's not strictly true. A lot of prison off, a lot of prison officers encouraged it, encouraged me to. They're like, "Well, just stick up for yourself." Can I give you? An, I'll give you an example. It's not about the prison stuff. The other day, I went to see uh, my parole officer because I'm on probation for the rest of my life on mm. life license, and um, I'll say I've just recently been a. Attacked. I'd been I'd been attacked in Richmond upon Thames. A group of young men like punched me and kicked the fuck out of me. And um, then I got mugged the next day in Southbank, the skate park, where you can legally graffiti. And I was there doing graffiti um, at three o'clock in the morning because because I live on my own. I'm isolated, a bit like being in the seg unit. Except that where I live is fucking nice. It's I mean, but it's still like it's like a gilded prison, you know what I mean? It's mm. a it's a lovely prison, but that's what it is. I don't have I mean I've uh there I have friends over there in my area, especially my, my especially my favourite friend over there. Tom Hardy Woo <laughs> He's two streets away from me. I adore him. Every time he sees me he gives me money. Mm. His wife's his wife is absolutely they're so kind. Mm. They've been, I mean, it's been so kind to me. And he asked, I mean, Tom Hardy took the time to ask me about what my time was like in prison being trans. And I said, Tom, you've got to do the, you got to do this film. There's, I mean, in prison, they called me a trans gangster. I said, you should do that film. And do you know the suit he wear, he wore in Bronx, in the film Bronson, the escapee suit. Mm -hmm. I've got one. <laughs> I wear it to protest with the HM prison, <laughs> the green and yellow with my cap. Like this and all my makeup. You know, life's still hard, but it's getting a lot better. I've been given a lot of support since I've been out through a lot of these activist groups. Um I say the people that I forget, I'm 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 really sorry. But I mean Prisoner Solidarity Network, Sisters on Cart, um I mean Kelsey, Tope, Una, even my friend Kyle. I mean Dorothy, she knows who she is. Matty. These are these are great people. These are these are kind people. Do you know what I mean? Lou up in Archway. Great I mean I've got a sister Charlie 
and her sister Sue Ann and I mean and um, my brother Charles and I mean they're the only ones in my family that I, that I have any contact with. Um, but I lost. I mean, I saw my uh, my sister Charlie and 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 a wonderful boyfriend at the the trans rights uh, protest at Parliament Square. Well, I was asked to talk there, and they they attended it. Really, it really filled my heart. I mean, it really cheered me up. It's opened the door. It's getting. How old were you when you got sentenced for the big one? Um, by the time I got sentenced to that, I was twenty one. Twenty one. Yep. Did that raise your category status? Um, they put me on category A. Um, this is just going off on a tangent a bit. Like I say, I went to the, I went to see my pro officer, and I was in tears because I had to tell him about this. So before I saw my probation officer, one of the, they got like a security guard there, and he says, "What's the matter with you?" And I said, "Well, I got beaten up." He says, "What a big man like you." Felt like he was stabbing me. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, is that what the world sees? A big man. Mm. I cut my fucking balls off because I didn't want to be a man. However, so I was in prison. What, category A. What was category A? How different was that from what you were used to? Well, being in category A, um, a lot of people, it, it, was, it was safe. It was reasonably safe for me. In the max, well, I was in five maximum security prisons. So I was in Full Sutton, Franklin, Long Lawton, Whitemore, and Monster Mansion, Wakefield. So I, I, so I did all them jails. So in there with like, say, with the IRA, the UDA, the UDF, the PLO, the PLA, Al Qaeda, hadn't been heard of at that time. So a lot of these, uh, there was a lot of people in f for um, um, who were charged with terrorism acts they didn't give a shit about about what i wore so i mean they just had their own sentences to do obviously you do get a few random uh lunatics in there but you know if everyone i come across from let's say from from ira quartermasters to to charlie bronson you know what i mean they were all kind to me have you got any random lunatic stories a random lunatic stories um Not at the moment, but I'll 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 think of saying I'll give I'll I'll give the public what they need. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There are great stories in jail. There are stories of people who achieve greatness in prison, and I'm not fucking kidding. There was a kid; he was kept for 14 years in a coal cellar by his parents, who 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 were just proper evil. This guy, he ended up to me. He, he had, but the thing is, he had a photographic memory. And when he came to prison, he ended up doing drama classes. He could recite every every word from every Shakespeare play. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's a comedy or a tragedy, you know? But, and he went out to have a really great career as, as an actor. And he's, he's well known, you know what I mean? But a lot of people don't know his past. But what a great thing. The people who come to prison who couldn't read or write. I couldn't read or write when I went to prison. Do you mean? But I, I, I left with qualifications coming out my backside. They haven't been much use to me. And some of them are burnt, especially the Costa Rewards certificates. You know about the Costa scheme, yeah? I work with them, yeah. Yeah, so I burnt all theirs. I publicly burnt their stuff because their connections with Sodexo and with Group 4. And they didn't go and fuck themselves. 
do you know what the amount of confidence and self-esteem i got from those certificates then when then i thought you know what fuck them i just felt patronized all the stuff which was heavily political it never it never won anything as long as it was gentle as long as it wasn't offensive but you know political art upsets people that's why i do it even now just to balance that out let me say i got on the curse lamentor scheme and they helped me tremendously Okay, so what was your routine like in yeah, in yeah. Kate? Fuck you then. <laughs> what was your routine like in Kate? Well, in category, I, I spent most of my time in my cell, um, uh, pretty much with my violin. Your I'm violin? Like, I'm, I'm a classical violinist. Yeah. There's an article about that, isn't there, online? Yeah, yeah. I'm a fucking superstar, man. <laughs> well, I was. I had, I had a stroke, you know what I mean, in prison after after my castration. Yeah. Um, uh, and it it affected it affected it affected some of my techniques so I'm interested in how you went from being a victim to becoming the trans gangster that the, the prison system called me you're you, you're describing now you're in your early 20s you're in the highest category level and is this like are you earning the respect of the of the higher you know ups in the prison system hierarchy I'm not saying it's because I'm proud of it I'm saying it because it was true I was fucking dangerous. And no one fucked with me. I was scared of nobody. The only person I was scared of was my father. And I still am. He is still alive. And that fear will never leave. Never leave me. But in the prison system, I don't care what political organisation you come from. I don't care how many people you've killed. I don't care if you're a fucking, if you've killed five people. I will go fucking toe-to-toe with you and I will be tooled up. And I will fuck you up. And if I can't get you from the front, I will get you from the back. And that was the life that I was encouraged by the staff. They said, look, we can't protect you. You're going to have to protect yourself. Because the prison officers would come onto the landing, like in my landing in Full Sutton, they'd open the doors and they would fucking run back to the officers as fast as they can and lock that door. And they won't come out till association time is over. Until then, you're at the fucking mercy of any lunatic who wants to come in and try and fuck you up. The arsehole come in your cell and try and rob you or fucking beat you up because it's funny. I fucking, I, I toughened up. And I learned that everything in prison is political. Violence is political. It doesn't happen for nothing. It always happens for something. And it's a political game. You've got to know who you can trust. You've got to know who's got your back. You've got to know who will, who will fuck you over. You've got to know the people who will fucking snitch on you to the fucking screws. And you've got to know the people that you can corrupt. You've got to know the people who can give you the stuff that you need whether it's drugs, whether it's mobile phones to contact your family, whether it's stamps, whether it's a lump, whether it's a bag of weed, whether it's a fucking bag of smack, whether it's a rock of crack. I mean, and I networked like, networking was my hobby. I found the people who could help me. I found the people that I could corrupt to get the things I needed. And I tried to live the best life that I could. I tried to create a world for myself which was safe relatively and that people wouldn't hurt me and I would fuck as many prisoners as I could because the more prisoners I fucked the more people I had to protect me I gave them what they needed 
I'd become a drug dealer in jail. There's no secret about that stuff. Knew that. So, I mean, if they needed drugs, I got them drugs. If they needed phones, I got them phones. If they needed fucking, if they needed to get a fucking bunk up on a Friday night, we'd come to some agreement. And and so, I mean, it's. I don't know if you ever read that article that I wrote for Vice about sex in British prisons. No one has ever in the history of fucking prisons written about the sex lives of prisoners in British jails. People, I think, have got this idea that you go to prison and then you never have sex again or you just knock one out. But, you know, whatever shit goes on outside goes on inside too, especially when so many prisoners are sharing cells. And in many cases, free people to a cell. Now imagine today, in this weather, where I have to use my fan, do you know what I mean? And you, that fucking sweat is rolling off your bald head, right? There are prisoners who are toed up and freed up in little fucking cells with windows which do not open in fucking temperatures, like fucking hitting 37 degrees plus. Do you know what I'm saying? And in some jails, this is mother and babies as well. It's fucking wrong, man. It's fucking immoral, mate. It's immoral. But organisations like the Prisoner Solidarity Network, God bless their cotton socks, they're amazing at fundraising. So why people are being locked up? They're not working. The only thing they're getting is unemployment. What's that, £2.40 a week? Grown adults expected to live on. Prisoner Solidarity Network... Um, so, I mean, raised a lot of money and gave money to a lot of these prisons so they could put money on their phone and phone their families. And they're also raising money at the moment to, to allow uh, get prisoners the money so they can buy fans for their cells. Prisoner Solidarity Network. I'll tell you what, their profile, people, people didn't need to lift their profile because if you go to prison... Apart from your family, the Prisoner Solidarity Network in London and Campaign Against Prison Expansion. I think that's the wrong words, but it's CAPE, C-A-P-E. These people will fight for you. These people will fight for you, the human rights of the parents of prisoners, the families of prisoners, and also fight for the prisoner themselves. Because we believe in humanity. We believe in caring I mean, for the people who are fucking most demonised in society. You know yourself, a lot of people in prison, man, they they just, they shouldn't be there. There's just no alternative. There's, there's nothing put in place apart from that. On this channel, we're calling for an end to the war on drugs and mass incarceration. So, yeah, I agree entirely. Let's go back to sex in prison then. So in my book, Prison Time, I wrote a lot about all the sex in prison. Did you indeed? Yeah, I gave you the wrong one. I'll have to give you a copy of Prison Time. Is this what is this? Is That's this, hard time. Hold on a second. Right, let me let me it's just, a trilogy, let me, let me take a thing. glance. Right, so so this is this is so this is your book, yeah. That's the middle one. And you've inscribed it. Do we get a bunk up later? Now, as I say, <laughs> so Sarah Jane Baker, thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, well what else was I going to come on? Right? <laughs> so. So, so this book that you've written, what is, what is? T t you tell me about this book. You tell me why I should read it, and you tell me why I should get my friends to read this book. People can download it for free at my website if they're watching this. Yeah. Um, it is my journey through Sheriff Joe Arpaio's jail, which had the highest rate of death in America. Is this the one in Arizona? This is the one in Arizona. Where pink you on, pink, pink underwear, underwear, black and white stripes. I was. I would have loved it. <laughs> and topped up my tan. I was on sentence for twenty six months. 
So it's all unsentenced. Then 26 here. months? Yeah. You was in prison for 26 no, months? No, just fighting my case for 26 months. Oh. How long did you in prison for? Six. Nothing compared to what you were. You was in prison for six months? Six years. Six years? Six years, yeah, yeah. That, that six years in jail was a fucking long time. I was starting to get a bit institutionalised, but I, I would be insane if I went through what you went through. Did you ever get bummed? You know, no matter how many times I dropped the soap in the shower, I never got lucky. Oh, <laughs> come on. Don't worry, all that sex you never had, I, I made up for it for you. <laughs> best sex, I said to James, the best sex I've ever had is in prison. Yeah. Because no one gives a fuck. Yeah. People just don't care. So I'll describe some of the things that I saw going on. on Let's then. see if they were. Sure so in, in Arizona, there's a thing called Gay for the Stay. Yep, yeah, that's the, in British prisons. So you've got your, your wife, your girlfriend visiting you. Yeah. She doesn't know you're getting it on. Yeah. And then when you get out, you just go right back to your yeah, wife yeah. and girlfriend. Yeah, give them a fucking STD. <laughs> that's what they do. But the thing is, I used to encourage prisoners to come out. Yeah, I mean, I used to collect condoms for the for for the especially the the gay prisoners, all the ones who were gay for the stay, you know. But um, I mean, prison. I mean, female prison officers would come to my door on association time, and I'd be sitting there with a big fat spliff in my mouth, right, and and skiing. You know, what skiing is yeah, with two prisoners <laughs> like that at the same time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <sighs> Fucking hell, I was, I, was, I, was, I was living my dream, man. Some of these, some of these men were dirty fucking soap dodgers. But some, 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 of, them, some of the men were, were great, were kind, and, and, and made love to me, man. And so, I mean, it was the fucking beautiful thing. I mean, you can always brush your teeth after, can't you? You know what I'm saying? I was in court when a trans inmate got sentenced, and she goes... I can't wait to get to prison for all that sausage. <laughs> so I'm I, getting fucked. I had a guy. <coughs> I was in max. I was in max security. Hold on a minute. I'm. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking about one of my lovers at the time. Just <laughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. Let me. I'm, I'm not trying to like make noise. I was in max. That was a dirty whore bag. No, I was. I, I think I should. I think I should be ashamed, but yeah, I just don't have that at all. You know, because um, it's a fucking free country, and as long as, long as I'm as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, no one should be able to tell me what I can and can't do. In and if they do, then go fuck myself. With Jacob Rees-Mogg. In terms of sex Johnson, sexual creativity. Yeah. I'll tell you the story of my friend Frank. He was a Mexican mafia hitman. He was a chess champion. Comes to my cell window one day to introduce himself. My trousers and, bo and boxers are down. I'm applying antifungal ointment yeah. to the bleeding bed sores on my ass. Yeah. So he sees this, takes a look, disappears. A few hours later, I get a mysterious love letter shoved under my door, commenting on my hurry ass and proposing we have a gay prison marriage. He said, I'm looking forward to shampooing your hurry ass on our honeymoon in what San Francisco. <laughs> Tell you what, I'm in the wrong fucking country. But, right, listen to this for creativity. So we're in, he, he ends up in Supermax. I'm in Supermax. Now, Supermax, you never get out your cell. You, you've been in, in it. So I don't know if you guys had a, what's called a fishing line. You tie, like you rip a string off yeah. and you tie a weight to it like the end of a toothpaste. Is that when you slide under a door or throw out the window? S under the door. Yeah, under the doors, yeah. So, we use so, the mirrors, the little square mirror. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. one under the door, one under the door, you tie yeah. your lines together yeah. and you can... Yeah. So he tied it to his dick. Yeah. And he's got his the guy in the room next door 
jacking him off with the fishing line. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's innovative. (laughs) I mean, and I I would have paid to watch it. (laughs) How innovative did you get? Um, well, I mean, then stuff, then almost the stuff that people do outside. Yeah, do I mean? So, I mean, so it was. I I was a sex worker in prison. Mm. So, I mean, I'd have sex with someone for, for, for drugs, not necessarily because I took the drugs, mm. but it was a currency and I could use that. I mean, I had the prison officers who were bringing each other in, in for me, prison officers that um, not necessarily I corrupted, but came to me mm. because they knew I was a person who could find stuff. They were, they were, they knew I could find money. If you, if you was willing to bring a mobile phone in, which was like perhaps, um, I mean, this this mobile phone. My my own phone was got stolen from me. This 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 phone from some company, which has got a letter. Um, this 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 phone ain't worth flipping thirty quid. Mm. But in prison, it's worth a thousand pound. And when the prison officers know that I can get a grant, they give me this all day, all day, all day. Mm. I'll give them five hundred pound for a phone. I'll sell it to some for a grant. But in a lot of cases, especially in um, Elmley Prison, they came round to my cell, and I told you about corruption of staff, they come round to my cell, took the phones, and sold them to other prisoners. And I can't complain, I can't go to the government and say, oh, this prison officer's come in and stolen my phone, can I? I mean, I mean, the head of the... Um, the head of a certain organisation begins with a P, ends in an A. I can't say what the middle letter is because I can't remember it. The head of that, the chairman of that organisation, I mean, they tried to corrupt me with two phones. I mean, they tried to buy my silence because I kept putting complaints in, legal complaints, using the using the system to complain against them. Do you mean? I'm not a snitch. But, you know, this is the, this is like the head of the... Of an organization full of fucking psychopaths, man, and no one would dare take them on. The Ministry of Justice will never take on the Prison Officer Association. The Prison Officer Association is a monster that is so big and that is so powerful and is so influential. And they lobby to put young people in prison for low level drug offenses mm-hmm. and to increase sentences mm-hmm. just so they can, you know, guarantee their now. own careers. Yeah, make money make now. Make more money. Yeah. Now I don't know if it's I don't know if this is true, um, but it's um, I think it's a th- I think it's a thing that that needs to be explored, and that is the connection between crime and society in general. That there are people who would argue that society couldn't function without criminals in it. Because the amount of people who make a living off the prison system, the people who make the prison beds, the companies that make the prison windows, the contractors that put the tiling down, you've got the psychiatrists, the psychologists, you've got the doctors, you've got the pharmacists, you've got the medical staff, you've got the people who build the, who build the buildings, you've got the companies who supply the food. Prison is a multi-billion pound industry and thousands upon thousands of people who are not prison officers and are not prisoners make their living from supplying prison with food, 
with the things it needs to run, even down to bin bags. The prison system, I mean, the court system without crime, the court system, then people, you wouldn't have all these barristers as well. They'd probably be accountants then. Courts and prison systems are some of the biggest employers in the world. Yeah, understand what I mean? This, this, this society that we've got, I remember that, uh, was it the film, was it Scarface with Tony Montana when he's in a nightclub? Do you know what I mean? He says, you all need someone to point a finger at and say, there's the bad man. Well, for us, it's the prison system. Now, the prison system, as a generalisation, it's full of people who once upon a time would have been poster children for the NSPCC. You see them adverts where they get a little child to, be a, to, to act and, and sit in there looking scared and afraid. Jermaine, I was like that. I was one of these children. One minute, everyone was going, oh, you poor sod, the way you've been treated. But the minute I started offending, they were like, fuck you, put them in prison, chuck away the key and deprive them of all human rights and all humanity. I was the second prisoner in Britain to go to the European Court for the right to vote after I think it was John Hurst was the first person. And we didn't get much movement on that. But, you know, in, there are countries that we would consider to be third world countries. And they allow their prisoners to vote. Yet in this country, they don't. I spoke about that on Sky TV. And it, my perspective wasn't very popular. I said that it's social inclusion. If you let prisoners vote, they'll feel, feel more included and less likely. It's one factor amongst many less likely to commit crimes. They're not going to be goody two shoes just because they vote, but they'll feel... But like the public was against it on the vote. Well, the whole that. rehabilitation spill that they mm. that the government chucks out is that yeah, prisoners are sent to jail to be rehabilitated. So when they and and as they say, we treat prisoners with humanity to help them rehabilitate themselves to help them rehabilitate, rehabilitate themselves. That means the government's under no obligations to supply courses. You've got to do this shit yourself. You've got to do courses that you might not even know exist. So if you don't know it exists, how can you apply for to do it? But the, system, the prison system is, is fucked. It always has been. It's always employed fucking thugs and bullies. It used to employ many like ex-squaddies, ex-soldiers and everything else. Then you had like say jails like Wakefield or jails like Full Sutton. Um, a lot of these places in Yorkshire, and you end up getting lots of ex-coal miners. So one minute, they're socialists. Do you know what I mean? They're Labour voters, and do you know what I mean? They, they care about their community. Next thing you know, they're in the prison system. They're voting Tory. They've got a fucking mortgage, and they're just thugs. They're ruthless. They're ruthless thugs. Now, people may say, well, but yeah, the prisoners ain't any better. But you know what? Prison officers work for the Queen. They work for the state. The Queen, the monarch, she's the head of it. It's, it doesn't say prison. It says Her Majesty's prison, HM prison. And with her name attached to it, maybe, maybe she needs to take a look into the way that our prisoners are, are run. Especially, um, I mean, I'm a Republican. I don't believe in a monarchy. I don't believe you can take one family and elevate it above everybody else. Especially Prince Andrew. 
well that's I mean that's a different um, that's something that I don't know um, I do but I'm not, I'm just choosing to avoid it at the moment but I mean I say the royal family if, they, if the Queen wants to put her name up Her Majesty's Prison maybe the Queen or some of her advisors need to advise the government to become more humane and to start to care about the people they're looking after what what was the worst guard brutality you experienced or saw? The worst the worst brutality that I ever underwent was in Winston Green Prison in Birmingham, where they used me like a human football for about two hours in a segregation unit. All all the this was a time when prison officers were allowed to drink during the lunchtime, so they'd come to work sober, they'd go out lunchtime, they'd get pissed, they'd come in in the afternoon, and they would look for victims. And it would often be me because they would say something to me and I would retaliate. I was my disorder, I have personality disorder. Which means that if you call me a cunt, I will say, Well fuck you, man, who the fuck are you? And it escalated the situation because that's what people in my condition generally do. What's the condition? I have a, a borderline I have a diagnosed borderline personality disorder. Which means uh, apparently under this checklist that there is some things like they said, like, I have a grandiose sense of self-worth. I like that. Um, which is what brought me to um, your uh, your bed, sorry, your table. <laughs> um, so grandiose sense of self-worth. But it also means that my, my relationships uh, are usually quite rocky and quite, and quite destructive. Um, I don't handle rejection very well. Um, and being isolated if you have this condition it's like doubly worse i just got a new mattress and i only live around the corner yeah i'm, I'm, I'm up for it mate <laughs> 190 quid i'll do you quicker for 30 quid i'm up for it if you watch i mean listen, listen you, you'll, you'll never outslut me in a trillion years sex work is work you know what i mean and i'm good at what i do i got skills you know i might not have I might not have balls in her, but I've got small hands. These hands get anywhere. No I'll wear you like a fucking glove puppet. No sure. fisting. No, I'll just, I'll be gentle. I won't do it. To, we, as long as we've got a safe word to agree on. What would your safe word be? Go on. Come on. What would your safe word be? No Arizona finger wave. So before I got arrested. That one, yeah. They had the finger wave. Yeah. And it got it got yeah, ruled unconstitutional. Is, yeah. The guard actually put his finger in your bum to look for contraband, Fucking which led man. to assaults and all kinds of stuff. And oh my God. <laughs> I'll tell you what: if I if I had testicles, I'd have an erection now. <laughs> what were the strip searches like then for you in the UK prison system? Well, well, there are rules written down on paper these are these are rules which are in italics which means they must be done so what happens is because i i have a penis but i have no testicles and i have breasts which i'll show you when we're off camera you could touch them for a tenner right <laughs> yeah i've got my eye on you i've had my eye on you for a long time you know i lay in bed at night you know i mean just watching your podcast and i think you know what who them fucking wankers he's got on here, mate? I'm, a, I'm the only proper villain that you fucking that you've ever had at this table, mate. That's not strictly true. I don't want to get duffed up or a contract put on me. Um, 
give me the money, I'll fucking put a contract on myself. <laughs> However, um, no, there, there are there are there are um, there are instructions. It's called um, there's this thing, this P, um, PSI uh, prisoner um, uh, a prison. It's, it's an instruction. Um, these are rules. So they're supposed to have a female who's supposed to search the top half of me. Uh, two female prison officers and male prison officers will search the bottom half because I still had a penis. So, like I say, this officer in Elmley who became the chairman of the POA walked in my cell. He said, take your fucking clothes off now. And I went, no. He said, well, if you don't take them off, I'll fucking beat you to the fucking death and rip them off your body. I had no choice. And while that happened... The door, this was in the hospital wing. The door was wide open and nurses and everything were going past and they heard everything. And I said to them after, because I was really angry with them. I felt, disappointed. I, was, I was really angry. And, but I realised that they were terrified. And they said, if we complain, we will lose our job. Mm. This guy is the most powerful, or he was, he's not there now. He's, he's, someone else has taken his place. He was the most powerful. He was probably one of the most powerful people in Britain. You know what I'm saying? Mm. He had the power of life and death over anybody in any prison. And like a dickhead, I fucking took him on. How did that end up? <sighs> I'm still here. Him. I'm still here. Well, let's talk about prison sex work. Then you described that you were like independent in charge. Yeah, I was in charge of my own my in, own destiny within the parameters. Of in the America, prison. it's run by the gangs. So yeah. this terms like getting turned out, becoming a prison Get, punk, getting turned out. To, yeah. yeah, with a. Uh, I'll tell you, it just, it just it just amazes me when I see young men in this country and often grown men with their trousers around their arse showing their shorts and that's what it's called it's called being turned out which I mean it's the American term it is so gay and yet the people who do it claim to be villains and proper gangster but it's a, it's from it's it's from a gay prison subculture so they show the young people now on the PREA in America Prison Rape Elimination Act yeah. they show us a video and we go in it's called rape class and you watch some predators in the day room. Young people are coming in. They're hungry. If they take food, they're in debt. You've got to repay this debt. Yeah. Got no money. Or you're going to get fucking stabbed unless you repay the debt. Go in that cell over there and do whatever he says. Mm. And once they agree to that, yeah. they get rented out as prison yeah. prostitutes and yeah. there's no turning yeah. back. Yeah. Does that go on in the UK? Um, no. But what you do have is you have predators within the prison system, especially on vulnerable prisoner wings. So the wing will just be like, it's the same as any other wing, but the majority of people on there are normally old men in for sex offences. And also a lot of uh, a lot of young men, um, a lot of them with special needs too, who will get, um, who will be in for sex offences, but they will get manipulated and groomed by the older prisoners who will give them like £25 a week. Do you know I mean to to have sex with them? Do you know I mean I I didn't go with like old men, not because I'm like ageist, but you know, um, do you know I mean 
an old man who's not fit is no good to me when I want to get get my leg over on a fucking Friday night association <laughs> time, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want fucking, I wanted lamb. I didn't want fucking mutton. I want someone who goes to the fucking gym twice a day and works out and does fucking powerlifting and circuit training. <laughs> what I mean? So in America, all sex acts are illegal, including masturbation yep. and consensual sex with staff. Yeah, and it's the same in prison. You're considered a custodian of the state. Yep. So if the st staff accepts you're going to have sex with them, they're in charge of you. It's, yeah. it's considered rape. Well, see, in British prisons, well, um, that's something that uh, people, some of your, your viewers might not know. They might not even care to know. But prisons are, are a class as a public place. So if if um, if you and me were sharing a cell and and you were screwing me and the staff saw it, they looked through the spiral or something, we could technically, technically we could both be arrested because it's like having sex in a public place, which is illegal. But, you know, we're in, we're in England. And do you know what well, a lot of older English people are? No, they don't like to talk about sex. I like to talk about it all the time. It's one of my favourite subjects. The fact that it makes people cringe is is something. It just fuels me. So, I mean, but um, I mean, I don't have any. I don't have any shame about any of the the, the sexual practices that um, I have engaged in or engage in now. I don't. I mean, I've got no. To, to me, sex is as normal as breathing, but it's also about respecting the person that you're with. So, I mean, and not abusing them. And now in prison, that most relationships that I've seen in jail are abuse one person abusing the other one person taking advantage of the other which as i've said before somewhere in some in a book or something it kind of mirrors that staff prisoner relationship where one is dominant and the, the prisoners are expected to be submissive you know in many relationships that i've seen in prison there's been love affairs where prisoners have fell in love with each other and they're adorable if someone seems to break my heart you know what i mean when they split up people fall in love too they get moved to, to a different and prison they get moved yeah. to a different prison yeah. but you know but a lot of a lot of prisoners they would um they would be with one specific partner but that partner would be abused because they were it wasn't out of love it was for money or it was for drugs or it was for phones me i was always open i me, i said if you, if you want to kick my back door in mate you better come with a samsung galaxy and a bag of weed or fuck off, because you ain't getting no freebies from this biatch. In happening. So my, my Mexican mafia friend Frankie, he, he's yeah. dead now. When I first went in, he said, "It's normal. After five years, you'll be getting, you'll be receiving, on the receiving end of head." And um, well, I know, I know people who've gone to prison and and they've never indulged in any indulged in any kind of um, homosexual activity or with me because I identify as a trans woman. If they're having sex with me, that's just them having sex with a woman. That's how I see it. And I encourage them to see that too. Not that they're having sex with another man. Now, the thing is, if you said to your, well, I mean, this is the thing, right? This is, this is what will make people really uncomfortable. People watch films like in America about people in jail over there. That stuff happens here in Britain. Now, all their mothers, all them sons, all them daughters and everything else. So, yeah. When they come to prison, mate, it's me they're fucking. Do you know what I mean? 
because they need sex too and they can't get it from their partner. And maybe they should have conjugal visits so people can have sex. If you don't get sex, man, that fucking twist your brain up. You know that, do you know what I mean? I mean, and knocking one out is all well and good. Do you know what I mean? But after a while, you need someone to wrap their arms around you. Do you know what I mean? That, that you know that, that you know that that sensual thing. You need to have some t where your bodies, your naked bodies, are connecting together. You're connecting to another fucking human being in prison. You can't even stroke a dog, and you know how the therapeutic value of pets. Do you know what I mean? There's no, there's no love. There's no care in the system at all. But some many of the relationships I had with people, it was about care. Even if they were paying me, I made sure that we both got something from it and that we both, that there was no shame attached to it. Because a lot of people that, I, that I've had sex with, even, even as a sex worker outside of prison, you know what I mean? Once they got an hard on, they phone you up and they want to, they want to fuck you. But as soon as they've come, they start to feel ashamed and you become like a guilty secret. And they start threatening you. Oh, if you tell anybody, I'll do this. If you... And I'm like, why would I tell anybody? It's a job. I don't have, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not a sex worker uh, because I necessarily enjoy sex. Because I have sex with many people that I, when I don't enjoy it, I'm, when I'm not in the mood. Because you need the money. And like I'm saying, why should I enjoy sex work any more than, um, then some young man or some woman or some older man or woman who works in Tesco's or 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 alternative supermarkets, right? They're putting their stocking shelves all day. Why should I enjoy my job more than they enjoy theirs? The fact is, it is work. Sex work was it the world's oldest profession? It is as it is. Anyone wants to slut shame me? Don't waste your breath. What I mean. I, it is it is what it is, and 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 I am who I am, and I en I enjoy most of the, the 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 company of the men and the women, and especially trans people or non-binary people that I've that I have sex with. I I mean I love sex. I think I think it's fucking great. I think it's the best thing since I don't know anything. So do you? Can't think... wait to get my hands on you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think... Come on, you know you fucking want it. I can see that bulge in your fucking trousers, Sean, mate. Come on, don't, don't be ashamed. It's I draw the line man. at prostate milking, though. Yeah, yeah. what with the two fingers there? One yeah, finger. I'm fucking one up. Finger. Come on, come on. You, you know you want it, babes. Come on. I mean, we should do it on your fucking. We should do it on your podcast. We'll go for a fucking million hits. I mean, who was the, la who was the last right person? Here, who right was, now. Who was the last person you interviewed? <sighs> Um, interviewed someone this morning actually oh my goodness he was put in prison the police planted firearms and heroin in his house and he did nine years for crime he hadn't done and then he got exonerated but they wouldn't tell him why they were exonerating him did they um, would, this, is, this is a question someone asked me this question the other day right um, I was in prison when the Guildford Four um were released yeah and um especially that poor man winston silcott mm. convicted of two crimes convicted of one murder then convicted of killing uh pc blakelock hacking his head off during the tottenham riots and he was completely framed but he got released but 
from what I've been told, is the Court of Appeal doesn't find people not guilty. They don't say, oh, they're innocent. They say the conviction is unsafe. And when the judge rules that a conviction is unsafe, that is not the same as being said, well, you know what? You're fucking completely innocent. When the Birmingham Six were released from prison, the Northern Ireland Secretary at the time, Tom Kim, Tom King, was interviewed by a lot of students on TV. And they said, well, now the Birmingham Six have been released. Uh, you're going to go for the people who really did it. And Tom King said, you've got to remember, the Birmingham Six have just been released by the Court of Appeal. Tom King says, yeah, but we all know they did it. You know what I mean, we live in this fucking country, right, where if you go to prison or if you get arrested and you say, look, I've been framed, there are members of this fucking country, there are people, citizens in Britain, who still believe that, oh, yeah, yeah the police only arrest guilty people, so you must be guilty. They can't, they have so much faith in a system, or maybe they don't have faith that the system's uh, as straight as a diet and honest, that the, system, um, that the system is transparent. Maybe they don't believe that, but the thing is, they don't want to go to bed at night thinking, you know what, they 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 vote for a system which is fucking worthless. Which Until it happens to one of their family members, they yeah. don't wake up. No, they don't, unfortunately. All right, let's go back to sex. Well, <laughs> fucking hell. Do I you think? Fuck enough, as long as you give me a gin and tonic first. <laughs> you know what I mean, darling? I mean, you know what they say, if you're going to fuck me, you've got to romance me first. <laughs> I mean, a gin and tonic and a, and a fag are doing... Do you think that prison makes people question their sexuality? And I'll give an example. So I'd hear guys saying stuff like, if I'm getting a blowjob, I'm yeah. not gay. Yeah. If I'm the the giver of the sexual act, not the receiver, I'm not gay. Mm. They're trying to like, yeah. what's your interpretation of that? It's, well, psychological process. The psychological process of as we know, sex is 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 normal. But we've been brought up in a society where we've, we're encouraged to feel ashamed about it. Do you know what I mean? Um, I've been to the... Um, I nearly slipped up there. I once stayed with some people, a normal family, and they talk about sex and orgasms and the performance of their partners at the dinner table. These are uh, men and women, aunts, uncles, children, everything else. But they talk about it in a healthy way. The parents are therapists and they say sex is something that you should talk about to so that every time you have a sexual experience that you get as much out of it that you take your time and that you care about each other and you have rules and if you want to play games if you want to play dressy uppy um so i mean if you want to cross dress um if you want your if you want your girlfriend or your partner to fuck you up the ass with a dildo so fucking what? It's a free fucking country. Do what you want. But we're encouraged to 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 hide this shit away. You know? Now, obviously, um I mean children have to be be, be protected. Um people who are vulnerable need to be protected from predators. And the and, war on drugs begin the war on paedophiles. Right? Now I'm not um I, I've not come here to battle any other cause except that I fucking hate the prison system and that I'm a prison abolitionist. But, you know, pr prison's full of fucking confused people. 
it's full of people confused, not just confused. They're confused over their mental illness. They're confused over what they want in life. Many don't have no drive. Many have no get up and go. Prison's full of broken people. And also the prison system is full of people who question their sexuality and question their gender outside of the system. And they've brought that inside too. And, you know, in prison, their family isn't there to judge them. So, I mean, and whether... So you don't think there's flu complete fluidity then? You think it's factors to do with those people who end up in prison? Yeah. There's not complete fluidity in yeah. sexuality? Yeah. Mm. I mean, because I, this, is, this is what I believe. Any, any person who tells me that they've not considered having sex with someone of their, the, the same sex or the same gender... It's talking bollocks because that is just rubbish. People think about this stuff. It is important. But, you know, I think that, I mean, to, to describe my own self and my own, I consider myself a trans, a trans woman, right? I, can, I will never be a genetic female because of the way that my body is made. But I believe that I have a female brain. But I've been brought up living in male environments. So I've taken on a lot of stuff from my environment. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm pansexual. Right? I, I don't care whether they're male, female, um, gender non-binary, a trans woman or a trans man. I care about, I care about the person. And I'm polyamorous. I mean, there will become a time where one day I will want to settle down with one partner. But at this moment, I have sex with people that I like. I mean, people, I mean, I, all I care about is, are you kind? Sometimes, to be honest with you, sometimes I don't want someone kind. I want someone who's just going to fuck me up. Because sometimes, as I said to, like, to James, right, to James English, I mean, sometimes you want a hug and a cuddle. Other times you just want to get fucked up the ass around the back of the bins on the exercise yard in front of everybody just to say, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting some. Uh. I mean, I'm a narcissist. Do you know what I mean? I'm a show off. I'm a performer. It's, 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 it's what I do. But it's kind of like, it's also my protection because if I'm so outgoing, people know if they fuck me over, I'm not going to be quiet about it. I'm going to show it from the rooftops. I mean, since this coronavirus thing, I mean, you know about my banner drop that I did. I made these banners and I have held them. I had photographs taken and photographs outside every prison in London and uh, two prisons in Surrey, Downview and Highdown. And I also did Feltham and Bronzefield. So that corona is killing prisoners. It's killed prisoners too. Do you know that it's killing, it's fucking killed cons. The government said, the Ministry of Justice said that it was going to release pregnant women and people who were not dangerous. I don't think it released 10 people in a whole frigging country with a prison population of perhaps 95,000. It made this release and then it fucking backtracked, as it always did. So there's a lot of gay play and humour in prison, and you got to go. Oh my along god, with you're it. obsessed with 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 <laughs> you're obsessed with fucking bumming in prison. 
<laughs> so I mean, you gotta go along with it. Oh fuck it! Hey, listen, hey, listen, I'm I'm proper I'm, up for it. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I don't I don't I'm, mind. Otherwise, you viewed as uptight. So you got like guys jumping in the shower, trying to jump in the shower with you, trying to spoon with you, trying you know yeah. trying to grab grab ass and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And. um you sometimes s- it was welcomed, sometimes <laughs> it wasn't. Sometimes I might headbutt you. So in a, Some in, might kick me in the bollocks. In America, there's a thing called going on a date. Yeah. That's where you get a picture of your girlfriend in laundry or naked or whatever. You put it in your plastic sandwich bag, you tape yeah. it on the shower wall. Yeah. And knock and, one out. And yeah. you knock yeah. one out. Yeah. So that's what got me through my six years. Yeah. And I had yeah. females visiting me. Yeah. But Zena did introduce me you to... You like it. cut pages out of pornographic magazines, yeah, yeah, and you, yeah, and then you put them on the shower wall. You, did, you, did you lick it or did you, put, or did you just, just wet it? <laughs> you wet it just on the top bit, so it's stuck up. Yeah. Hey, we, we've all been there, mate. I mean, I say, do your thing, chicken wing. Petter, I love you. And Fret, two graffiti artists. Yeah. But Petter told me the saying, do your thing, chicken wing. And I always remember it, trying to spread it. So Zena introduced me to her friend, Donna, who had done the archaeectomy. Yeah. Orchidectomy and cut her penis off as well, I think. And um, she looked like a very pretty Italian woman. So she introduced me to her and she's like, you know, I'm an Anglophile. I like, I like, um, I've been studying England and all this King George in his robes. And I could feel like the heat rising. And that made me question my own sexuality then. Why? Why did you feel the need to question it? Because I had. Why didn't you I just never roll thought. with it? <laughs> why didn't you just roll with it? Because of. I, I couldn't. Why? I couldn't. I had a woman visiting me. No, 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 no. I was please. thinking. No, hold on. Hold on a second, right? Let me. Let yeah. me. Let me stop you. Because yeah, yeah. this is really important. I know that's why I brought right? it up. It's, this is really. This is really important, right? <laughs> so I'm rubbing his leg under the table, right? This is. This is. This is. This is really important. Right? <clears throat> I think people need to be more. At, ease with these things yeah. with these feelings mm-hmm. so I mean um, I can't understand because a lot of people that I am mixed with are are gay or or bi or trans or polyamorous poly, uh, polysexual whatever they want to be yeah and they're not hung up about it mm-hmm so, I mean, it doesn't. It, it's not a shameful thing. It's a thing that they're comfortable with with talking about. Um, I mean, the amount of people who, who are doing sex work. I mean, you look on the internet, right? And it's uh, uh, what's that? Was it? Is it the? Is it only me? What's it called on the thing? Where you, where it's got a little link on the person's I, profile. I would never go on any such website. <laughs> no, no, it's not on a website. So, so for argument's sake. You'll 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 have um, someone on there who's, who's who perhaps does video camera work or something, and there's a little thing. Is it only pay or only cam or something? Only fans, right? That's, listen, I'm going to get an only fans page set up. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So you got like your secret little account uh-huh. that um, you can give you. I mean, you can give me gifts. Do you know what I mean? You can you can give me a fiver while I'm shoving a fucking dildo up my ass. Do you know what I mean? Or I'll talk dirty to you and, and, and you'll send me 25 quid or something. Do you know what I mean? And we'll have regular meetups. Mm. It's, it's a... It's, it's, what it was, Donna ha- did have a dick. Is. I remember now. She had a dick that had shrunk a little, little dick. Yeah. That's what Zena said. Yeah. So it was the thought of that. I went to the Thai Lady Boy show. Yeah. 
After Prison. Oh, they're of fantastic. Course. Look like supermodels. Where, where did you see them? Brighton. In Guildford. In Guildford. Look like supermodels, yeah. some of them. And they've had the full yeah, yeah, yeah. vagina yeah. thing. Yeah. If I'd have met a Thai lady boy in prison who'd had the full, then I would have probably received head, at least, <laughs> after five years <laughs> of wanking. <laughs> yeah. You fucking lying cunt. You would have had your tongue so far up their ass, your tongue would have come out of their mouth and licked their fucking teeth clean. Come on, Sean. Fuck it. Listen, you would have got a blowjob. Listen, pe- people, I mean, trannies, man, we're the, we're the greats. We're the future. <laughs> we're everywhere and we ain't going nowhere. We demand our right to exist. Trans rights are human rights. Be trans. Do crime. Be trans, do graffiti. So my trans friends wanted yeah. full vaginoplasty. Yeah. Is, is that something you've considered? It was something I considered. If, if it's something that you would want me to do. <laughs> I mean, if we were in a partnership, I would. the thing is, if I was in a relationship with somebody that I really mm. loved and really cared about, and that, that would be something I would discuss with them. Mm. At the moment, um, um, at the moment, I've so I've still got a penis. Um, my clients kind of like that. If if I didn't have a penis, they would just get a woman anyway. I wouldn't be any different to it. To, to I mean, at the moment, I'm I'm something when they want to get their freak on. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, but you know, I'm not saying I'm really good at what I do. Mm. I can believe it. Have I told you lately that I love you? <laughs> Come on. If you're up for it, let's fucking go, mate. Did, Fuck this interview. Did you get anywhere with James English after the interview? James, I'll tell you what. <laughs> James English, fuck me, I'll tell you what. How both of our egos were able to fit in one studio. Right? Well, it, it was a studio. Shout out to James, podcast brother. Yeah. The James English link's going to be in the description box for your yeah, interview. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, because it's, um, it wasn't as, uh, it wasn't as nice as this. It was in a, in, it was in a hotel room in Cannon Street, um, mm. in a hotel that I had been to before with a client. Um, but, but the client wasn't James. But you know, <laughs> I mean, you may, I mean, he's come down, he's come down to London. Was it this James? He's come, he's come down to, he's come down to my manor. Do you know what I mean? I'll tell you what, he he proper looked after me, and I'll tell you right, he's 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 a he's a really good guy, he and is. I'm not I'm not I'm not just saying that because I had a bit of a crush on him mm. because I mean he's worked really hard to get his physique, hasn't he? Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's not naturally beautiful like us, or, or naturally sculpted. <laughs> James, get me on another one of your shows, man. <sighs> but. Um, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what the thing is because I was a bit wary. Mm. I mean, I'd heard of you. Uh, before and I've heard of I mean there's um, there's the other kind of or, uh, organisations you've got um, you've got someone that, that, that I really respect a lot which is uh, Dave Breakspear he's done it I think Dave Breakspear's done like TED Talks you've done TED Talks yeah mm-hmm. uh, TEDx Talks um, and I think is is into like change prison reform See, there's organisations I work with, we're not into reform. We think the system is too fucked. We're into fucking abolition. We're looking for alternatives, humane alternatives, um, where people's right and their dignities are are guaranteed and enshrined in law. 
Because if you tell someone that they're worth it, if you tell people you've got rights, if you tell people that you, you, are, you are a person of worth, you are a, at the moment we're citizens of the crown, but you are a person and, and who has rights that are enshrined and that everyone will fucking fight to the death to ensure that we keep these rights. But if we're not fucking careful, we've already got Boris Johnson at the moment picking our fucking pockets. Do you know what I mean? Anything which goes wrong in the NHS, any lack of funding, any lack of funding in the prison system, any lack of funding in anything, it's going to be the standard thing. The government's just going to go, don't blame us, blame COVID. And that's their get out of jail thing. They will be allowed to get away with fucking anything. They will be allowed to 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 rip our fucking social cro uh, contract to pieces. I mean, Boris Johnson, when he shut all the fire stations down, then you had things like Grenfell when there weren't enough fire engines. Do I mean, this government is fucking wicked. They are fucking wicked. And I wish there was something good I could say about them. But, you know, you look at the fucking... Pretty Patels. I mean, you look at fucking the fucking Duncan Smiths. You know what I mean? Look at the fucking. I had someone the other day, right? I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna confess to a crime that I committed, right? I do graffiti. I do a tag. And you know, someone said to me that I shouldn't talk about it. But I will, if you allow me to. Absolutely, okay. go for it. I run a collective of graffiti artists and people who tag. Tagging is when, like, they'll put their name or their initial or their nickname in any kind of script that they want. There are lots of... I, I tag it in, in legal... In places where it is legal. I only do graffiti in places where it is legal to do it. Right? So, this collective that I run... Right, it's called Wasp. It's an anarchist day. A lot of people confuse it because they used to say white Anglo-Saxon Protestants and that. We don't have no racists. We don't have trans-exclusionary radical feminist turfs. You understand that term, yeah? Right. If you're anyway queer or bi or trans and everything else, come and join us. You do your tag. You send a tag to me, and I put it up on the site. Right, we call ourselves an anarchist street art collective. So, a crime that I committed. Next year, I want to enter the Turner Prize. I've already had a piece of art before exhibited at the Turner Contemporary in Margate. I've had three pieces on ex three pieces of my embroidery that you've seen, right online. I've had them exhibited at the Westminster Central Hall. I've been exhibited in South Bank on the South Bank, the exhibition part downstairs. I've got currently got a piece on exhibition, I'd say, in the Brighton Museum. And I've also exhibited at Lewis Town Hall. I've got an exhibition coming up as soon as this COVID thing's over. It's going to be a thing of protest art. And a lot of it is based on it's about graffiti, it's about tagging, about queer people who do it, it's about the people, the sex workers that I know do it, and a lot of women. I mean, there are lots of women that I know who do graffiti, who do tagging. A lot of them who come from um, uh, backgrounds of of uh, protesters, of anarchists, 
um, I'll say my my uh, favorite female um, like graffiti artist at the moment is 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 my friend Petra Kennedy, an absolutely wonderful woman. Um, and I love her stuff. If you want to know about graffiti, this is the person that you go to. But but she's a female, and not many people think connect graffiti and women. But there are some fantastic female graffiti artists in in this country, especially in like the Notting Hill area as well, that Camden Town area. I mean, I've met a few. The thing is, the graffiti artists that I respect, a lot of them, I've been told will not work with me because I'm transgender. Mm. I mean, the things that I want to do, that I need to learn this stuff. I need to have someone to to uh, to mentor me. Now, I did have somebody. I did have a really famous like graffiti artist from 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 pretty much goes around the world. But our, our relationship's a bit difficult at the moment. But um, but if you go around London, so you'll you'll be familiar with the like the Helch stuff. Mm. You know, the Helch stuff is really pretty. Doing the doing like um. I mean, doing the bridges. If you go down to Lewisham, you'll see uh, Helcher's stuff down there. And I fucking love it. But he does it with a roller. I mean, I, I love his stuff. You go around London, you'll see all the 10-foot graffiti, the flash, the lead, the pair. Do you know what I mean? You see all this stuff on all the bridges. Mm. I mean, these are fucking brave people. Do you know what I mean? Getting some... It's about the scalp. It's about... It's about being heard and that's what I think it is a lot of people in graffiti uh, do do graffiti I know or do tagging remind me of people in prison they feel like they're not being heard now in the prisoners or the people who were convicted in prison they've acted out because they weren't heard they allowed this snowball to get so big they flashed out now a lot of the women that I do they uh, a lot of women that I know they um they use tagging and use graffiti to deal with their their, their mental illness issues you know, Leak Street down in London, in Waterloo, they call it Graffiti Tunnel. Now, um, I mean, sometimes I've, I've gone down there and spent three days with there with £200 worth of paint and just any crap in my head, just fucking graffiti <laughs> all over the wall or all over the floor. That's what it's for. But, you know, um, anyway, this, this collective, we've got about 500 active members in How the world. How can people join that? All they have to do is go on Instagram and um, look up wasp underscore collective. Can you send me the link and I'll put it in yeah, below absolutely. the video? Yeah, And so what I do is, this, this is what I do. I encourage these people around the world, these wonderful people, right? Many of them are trans or or or, or gender fluid or, but, you know, I, I'll just say queer. Let me just use that word. We're as queer as fucking fuck the world, right? And I'll say, you go into like an area. If you're living in an area and you're transgender and everyone around you is like old, white, fucking miserable fucking people and all they do is look out their fucking curtains and <laughs> criticise everybody. Imagine you live in a community like that. Now, you'll get this random person and I'm, I would never encourage anybody to commit a crime. But... If they come out and someone's written across the zebra crossing in fucking neon pink paint, be trans, do crime. Fucking freaks them out. And that's what I love. <laughs> Man, why shouldn't trans people be criminals too? If there was more transgender criminals in the prison system, right, 
transgender prisoners might get treated better. The fact there's so few of us who are openly, who are out in the open, that the prison system can bury you in a segregation unit or a hospital wing and forget about you and deny you any rights. And that ain't fucking right. So we like to round off with advice to young people. And I think you're uniquely placed yeah. to give advice. What would you say to a young person who's gay or trans who's going into prison for the first time? I would say unless you're willing to go on a vulnerable prisoner unit, you, you just keep it a secret for your own safety and your own protection because there are people out there who will hurt you. There are Sorry, there are people out there who hurt you. Fucking the people outside of prison that will fucking hurt you too. But, you know, in prison, people, it's, it's, it's like a pack of dogs. There are people in there who are looking to lash out at people. They're looking to for the most vulnerable people. I was in Grendon Underwood. You've heard of Grendon? Yeah. Grendon Therapeutic Community. Do you know about the murder that took place there? They've only ever had one murder. I have heard about this, but please tell the audience. It was on my wing. Please tell everybody right. what happened. I think it's important, right? Grendon Underwood is a prison in Buckinghamshire, Owlsbury. This prison is class, it's called a therapeutic community. So on each wing, you'll have perhaps 40 prisoners and maybe three times a week, you'll have to sit in a group, in groups of like eight. So it'd be, was it five eights of 40? Is that right? Five eights of 40? Six eights of 48. So five eights of 40, so you'll have like five groups of eight. And you all have to talk about your crimes and everything else. The deep stuff, why you did it, what motivated you, what was going through your mind at that time. And then you go into a big room at the end and you have to feed back to the room um, what, you dis what you discussed, not in depth. But a lot of these prisoners have personality disorders, which means that they, um, they are um, awkward, they are aggressive, I mean aggressive, not assertive, and they are some of the craftiest, most manipulative people you will ever come across in your life. They're really dangerous people. And I was there. And I asked to go there because someone told me that if you go there, you could get out of jail quicker. But when I went there, I found out that wasn't so. Now, we had a murder on our wing. Um, the guy who was murdered, I don't mind saying it's in the public um, thing. His name was Bobby. He was a... Uh, convicted sex offender, uh, a convicted rapist of numerous children. And the person who killed him uh, was called Lee. That was his name. Lee now has no ears because he chopped his own ears off pretty soon after committing the murder. He went in this guy's cell and beat him to death. The biggest, strongest man in the prison, Lee, which he was, beat to death the smallest, weakest person in the prison. Because he could. He had no reason for it. Because he could. Now. This is where it got tricky. The police came in. The police asked everybody questions. Blah, 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 blah. It turns out in this therapeutic community where everyone is encouraged to go to meetings and to bring up issues. Everyone on that landing knew it was going to happen. And not one of them did a thing about it. They knew this guy was going to get and beat this guy to death now i don't give a shit while he was in prison 
while he was what he was in prison for. That's got nothing to do with me. That's got to do with his victim the ju- and the judge and his fucking conscience. He's doing his sentence. I'm doing mine. I've got enough problems doing my own shit. But the thing is, the prison closed ranks and they took no responsibility for it. The prison didn't at all. Because this guy, Lee, he openly said what he was going to do before he did it in a room full of people and nobody said a word. Even the staff did nothing. They did nothing to protect Bob. Now, the thing is, people might say, well, Lee wasn't a sex offender and he killed a nonce. So that's a good thing. That's what some people will say. I won't say that. What I will say is, Lee was in prison. He killed two people. He killed a pregnant woman. And the baby died too. So if people want to play fucking moral top trumps, I mean, they can do that. What I'm saying is, Killing people is either right, well, it's either right or it's wrong. I don't think killing people is justified, not in a civilised society. It's wrong. There are other ways to, to, there are other ways to deal with offenders. Not prison. Prison ain't no good to somebody who rapes children. And prison is not any good to somebody who's so fucking crazy that they kill pregnant women. That's, prison ain't the place for them. But Grendon likes to masquerade as a place that can help people. And it can't. It was the, of my whole life. Now, I'd, you know about my brother who was murdered? My brother was murdered in 1994 on Herne Bay Seafront. Uh, just from motiveless attack. People just, they just murdered him. I think maybe, I think it was a group of young people. I didn't investigate into it. I, when I, even when I got out of prison, I didn't ask none about it. I didn't want to know. It would not make me feel any better. But my brother was murdered. And I never realised like the aftermath of a murder, the aftermath of a death in a family. And Bob, Bob might have been in for what he was in for. But his family was fucking traumatised. You know what I mean? He was still somebody's brother, somebody's son. And I think people lose sight of that, that they see the offence. They don't see the the human. People don't go out and do fucking crazy shit for nothing. It comes from somewhere. Maybe some trauma that they haven't been dealt with and they're lashing out at the world. It comes from somewhere. And these are things that I think like the Prisoner Solidarity Network and, and CAPE, C-A-P-E. Um, these are things that, these are things that we are, we ex- we are exploring. Because we want to be able to go to the government and say, you know what, prison is fucked, man. Come on. I'll tell you what scares me about this lockdown, about this COVID virus thing. One thing scares me is that things will change. There will be, there will be dramatic social change within the world, not just Great Britain. But what scares me even more is that there will be no change. And everyone just goes back to the same old, same old. And that scares me even more than social upheaval because I believe this is a time where the social contract that the government has with the people in the way it treats us 
um, in a way it looks after us and make sure that we're safe, make sure we've got enough fire engines, make sure that we've got you. I mean, look, before this COVID fucking thing, they were shutting all the youth clubs down. The hospitals were being shut down. Um, I mean, now the government is saying like, how wonderful the NHS is. But at this moment, they're still trying to sell the NHS to the United States. Mm. Bit by bit. This country's this country is is fucked unless people start to mobilize instead until until people start to put down their PlayStation and their fucking Xbox and go out on that street and protest and use their fucking vote to get this fucking government out. Now I'm not saying the next government will be any better. But what I'm saying is this we need a government who is afraid of its citizens. We need a government who is sitting there thinking, right, if we don't do what our citizens want, what they voted us in for, I mean, if we don't look after them, then we're going to be kicked out on a fucking ass. Now, the thing is, you can't give the public everything they want. You can't do that. The public would vote in capital punishment in a fucking heartbeat. You know what I mean? The Sun, the Daily Mail would fucking motivate itself. You know what I mean? And it, it I mean, even after Grenfell Tower, even after that, that, that fucking horrific thing even after that the people there still voted for the Tories mm. you know what I'm saying now people need to give their fucking head a wobble and fucking wake up I mean the only way forward f for Great Britain at the moment is for people to, to start to fucking develop a bit of fucking humanity and to start to look out for each other. There's a lot of people who are struggling. A lot of people that this COVID fucking amount of people who haven't paid their rent. Who are going to be kicked out on their fucking ass? The amount of people who are adapt to their rivals for, for drink and for drugs. There's going to be a massive spike in, 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 in alcohol consumption. There is already. But what's going to happen after? Some lives, some families are going to be fucking destroyed. And the only way they're going to survive is the rest of us fucking rally round and support the weak and support the vulnerable. I mean, we, we owe that to each other. The only thing that we have is each other. And if we can't look after each other, you know what? I wouldn't even want to be a fucking life in a country like that. Really powerful stories and a call to action. And if you want to support what Sarah's doing, like I said, all the links are going to be in the description box below this video. Link to the fan. The Wasp Anarchist Street Art Collective. Come and come to London. I mean, bring some money. We'll go and get some cans. And I'll tell you what, graffiti is the best therapy there is, apart from a bunk up with the wonderful Sean Atwood. <laughs> Can't James and Joe? Can't James and Joe join in? Fucking yeah, go for it! I don't give a shit. <laughs> Fucking, I'll make porn. I'll make. I mean, I'll, I'll go and make pornographic films and steals and shit. They, they, fucking, I'm proper. So up does for James. It, <laughs> Fucking Jokes. go for it. Just joking. Anyone watching this? Wasp. Thank you to people who are watching. Be trans, do crime. <laughs> Be trans, do crime. We're going to release an album. Please put what you thought about this video in the comments below. Huge thank you to the new subscribers. Huge thank you to Joe and James for coming all the way from Essex to film this today. Thanks to the donators who enable us to hire studios and have cameramen, sound engineers, etc. 
and thank you to you for coming on and yep sarah jane baker i'm on the instagram i'm on twitter and um i run i say um go for it <laughs> yeah do, do, do you like my tights you know i'm up for it give me a hug Oh, that's brilliant. You Thank still, you. Is it still filming? It's still filming. still filming. You can even rub my hair. I, I, I was gonna put, no, I was going to put my leg up like that. <laughs> Classic.